Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, Blessed Servants of the Lord. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 65. Now here is our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us in sending your eternal Son to be born of the Virgin Mary. That your Son freely condescended and he took upon himself human nature, perfect man, that he may live and die to secure our salvation, that he may create Jerusalem a joy, that he may create a people who can be described as joy. And beyond that, that you may take pleasure and delight in your people. And we are your people. We are your children. We are the ones whom you redeemed from all our sin. We are your people whose sins have been forgiven. We are your people adopted into the family of God. So we are heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ. We are a people to whom you have given the gift of true repentance. That we turned our back upon all wickedness. And turn to your son Jesus Christ, our only Savior and Lord. We count it a great privilege to be the born servants of Jesus Christ. Therefore, O oh God, we come into your presence to hear your word that gives us joy and peace. Therefore, O oh God, speak to us. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm glad you didn't come here to be entertained by me because I'm a very poor entertainer. And I believe that you came to have an encounter with the living God. You came to meet with God who gives sight to the blind, who cleanses the leper and who raises the dead, who forgives our sins. And this Jesus Christ is here in the midst of us according to his own unfailing promise if two or three are gathered together I'll be in their midst in their midst to bless them to heal them to comfort them and also to confront them and so let us expect to see God through his word and be blessed by him so in Isaiah 63 and 64 we read how the people repented of their sins they repented and cried out to God and, and the response came in the, in the last two chapters of Isaiah 65 and 66. And God responded to the repentance in terms of salvation and judgment. Salvation to those who repented and judgment for his inveterate enemies. Stubborn, obstinate, recalcitrant, wicked enemies of God. I want you to know that the church is a mixture of servants of God and servants of the devil. There is no church that is completely consisting of only God's people. So as I preach, you must examine your own life and see whether you are a servant of God 
or a servant of the devil. There are ways for you to examine. So I said there are only two kinds of people. Those who are God's joyful servants and those who are his enemies. Are you his glad servants? Do you love God and joyfully submit to his regulatory word? When a person confesses with his mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, he will be saved, the Bible says. Such true confession can only be made by those who are enabled to do so by the Holy Spirit. So St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now what does that mean? If it means that nobody can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit, that's false. People are saying Jesus is Lord all the time, all over the world, even in this church. But what does it mean? No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That is, no one can truly and sincerely confess Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit enabling that person. The Spirit who gives new birth also enables us to repent truly and confess in sincerity that the risen Jesus is our only Lord. And I want to say to you, are you confessing sincerely that Jesus is Lord or not? If you are not confessing sincerely, it is you are adding sin to your sin. In other words, such a confession becomes a horrible sin to falsely confess that Jesus Christ is Lord only to turn our back upon him. Therefore, I warn you to consider seriously what you are confessing. If Jesus is Lord, then there are no other lords for you. If Jesus is Lord, then the confessor is his servant. He will hear and do his bidding. He will eagerly seek to know his will in the world and do it. Like Samuel, he would say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And Isaiah stated this in chapter 64 and verse 5. Take a look at it. You come to the help of those who gladly do right and remember him in his ways. Gladly do right. This is the greatest privilege you can have to be a servant of God. And to this great privilege, he has called you. Therefore, examine yourself this morning. Whose servant are you? Time is very short. Are you his servant? His servants by confession and by conduct? Or are you his enemies who pretend to be his servants? His eyes are like blazing fire. He knows who are his servants and who are his enemies. So I implore you and I plead with you to surrender to the Son of God and become his blessed bond servants. So I want to tell you two things. That's all, two things. One, the enemies of God. How Isaiah is treating the enemies of God in this prophecy. And the other, how he treats the servants of God. Now, Isaiah opened his prophecy with a case leveled against the rebellious Israel. 
In chapter 1, we read, I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Now, that is true of a lot of parents. You can identify with this pathos, with this cry of God. I reared children and brought them up, but they rebelled against me. I'm sure some of your children rebelled against you. What pain that comes to your soul. The same idea here. And look at verse 2 of chapter 65. It's an interesting verse. It says, all day long I have held up out my hands to an obstinate people. What does it mean to hold out hands? The idea is, it is the posture of prayer. In other words, instead of people praying to him, he is praying to the people. He is pleading to the people. He is supplicating to the people, the obstinate, rebellious, stubborn people. God is praying to them. All day long, the Lord was pleading with them. The Lord was praying to the stubborn people of God to repent. They were to pray to him as Isaiah did in chapter 63 and 64. But here the Lord is pleading with them. The Lord is making his request to them. Repent and be saved. He prays all day long. Have you experienced this pleading as God pleads with you through the pastor, through the father, through the mother? Pleading. Why would you die? Why would you be dead? Why would you be lost? Please repent. Change your ways. Turn from the evil ways. This is the prayer of God to us. Hear the word of God. And ask God to forgive your sin. But let's see what was the response of the recalcitrant wicked Israel. Look at verse 2. They walk in ways not good. They know the ancient way, they know the straight way, they know the way of life, but they deliberately, wickedly, walk in ways not good. And we read that in Psalm 1. We are not to walk in the counsel of the wicked and the way of sinners. We are not to walk in the broad way of human autonomy. But that's what these people did. They walk in ways not good for them. Now you experience that. You told your children to walk in the right way. And they're deliberately in your face provoked you by choosing exactly what you do not want them to choose. That's what Israel did. And then take a look in verse 2. Pursuing their own imaginations. They chose to go in the way of their own evil thoughts and not in the way of the word of God. God speaks through Moses in Genesis. Every inclination of the thoughts of man's heart is only evil all the time. And Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jesus himself said, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, theft, false testimony. 
sexual immorality, adultery, theft, slander. They chose to walk pursuing their own imaginations. And Paul says in Romans, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They exchanged truth for a lie. And you read chapter 65, instead of worshipping the true and loving God, they worship deliberately impotent idols like the pagans did. And they provoked God through their idolatry. Verse 3, a people who continually provoke me to my very face. In other words, they chose to worship the idols in the very presence of God. They refuse to worship God in Jerusalem, which God has chosen. They worship fertility deities among trees in the garden. The idea is unauthorized place. Instead of obeying the true God, they preferred religions and deities that they can manipulate. Look at Verse 11, who spread a table for fortune and fill bowls of mixed wine for destiny. They wine and dine their gods to get favor from them. All idolatry is putting pressure on God to act toward you in a blessed fashion. They rejected the holy scriptures and followed the lunacy of their twisted imagination. They went loco. We are talking about the people of God who had the scriptures. Not only God's law written in their hearts, they had the scriptures. We read in the psalm today that no other nation was given this scripture and they rejected it. And you understand, parents, how your children reject what you have told them. They worshipped in unauthorized places, they worshipped in un- unauthorized ways, they ate unauthorized meat. You read in verse 4, they ate pig's meat that is in your face. They worshipped false gods called fortune and destiny. They did not worship the covenant Lord who appeared to Moses, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who said, I am that I am the infinite personal God, the creator of the universe, the only redeemer. They hated him. They hated him, the God of glory, who appeared to Abraham. In utter defiance of God, they went after demons to help them. Let's turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 8. We preached this to you when we were in that chapter. Let's turn to it. How the people of God denies the scripture and the biblical way of living and choosing to listen to demons. Isaiah 8, beginning with verse 19, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? 
why consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. This is what you should use as standard when you go to any church. Are they preaching the word of God or not? If they are not, they are there to entertain you, but they are not to help you to have an encounter with the living and true God. The book of Deuteronomy prohibited consulting the dead and the spiritists and the medium. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 1. And let me read to you from verse 28 and following. But rebel, rebels and sinners will both be broken. And those who forsake the Lord will perish. You'll be ashamed because of the sacred oaks. Where they worshipped rather in Jerusalem, the true and living God. In which you have delighted. You'll be disgraced because of the gardens that you have chosen. You'll be like an oak with fading leaves. Like a garden without water. The mighty man will become tinder and his work a spark. Both will burn together with no one to quench the fire. This is speaking about eternal judgment. Which is also found as the last verse of the book of Isaiah. You reject the truth and embrace a lie. You refuse to worship the true and living God. But eagerly worship demons. And you are proud of it. Turn to the book of Jeremiah, which you have read, chapter 44, and let me read to you how brazenly the people of God worship demons to provoke God to his face. Jeremiah 44, beginning with verse 17. We will certainly do everything we said we would. We will burn incense to the queen of heaven. And will pour out drink offerings to her just as we and our fathers, our kings and our officials did in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. This is doing exactly the opposite of what the Holy Scripture said. Defiantly, brazenly, provoking God to his very face. Or turn to Jeremiah chapter 6. Let me read to you from verse 16 and following. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. You see, they are not in the ancient way. They already abandoned the scriptures. They abandoned the gospel preaching. They left the church that proclaimed the gospel. That preached about sin and repentance and salvation only through Jesus Christ. They have turned it to be an entertaining center. Now Jeremiah is saying I want you to stand in the crossroads and find out where the ancient way is. And walk in it. And now look at it. It says but you said what? We will not walk in it. Brazenness. Defiance. Recalcitrant wickedness, a twisted will, and twisted mind, and depraved mind. Let me tell you, every time anyone is sinning against God's will, revealed in his word, he is provoking God to his face. He's mocking God. He's challenging God for a duel. Did you think about that when we sin? We are challenging him. If you are really God, now let's have it out. 
and God will oblige and the sinner shall perish but the sinning person imagines that he is not sinning in fact he imagines that he is more spiritual than God himself now professor Young of Westminster Seminary the late professor great scholar of Old Testament he interprets verse 5 in this way he says this wicked Israelite is telling God notice not anybody else telling God what is it keep away don't come near me what does it mean it means do not approach me you are unclean but I am holy let me tell you to the wicked good is evil and the evil is good well God told Moses don't approach me because he is holy and Moses is sinful and we are told in Exodus 19 don't approach the mountain because he will die because God is holy and you are wicked and here the man twisted and depraved in his thinking he says to God don't approach me you are unclean but I am holy this is the utter perversion to which God has abandoned the wicked he's twisted perverted and depraved in his thinking have you seen that dip depravity when you spoke to your kid when you guided them to go in the way that is right and the twistedness and perversion and depravity coming out of their mouth and putting you down and elevating themselves to the celestial sphere that is the way of their imagination a depraved in his thinking because God has handed him over to a depraved mind he marks the Bible. He marks the triune God of the Bible. He marks the miracles. He speaks about a closed continuum. He de <clears throat> detests a God who will intervene in history. He opposes the idea of hell. Or sin. Or guilt. Or atonement. Or a second coming. He rejects the teaching of divine creation, fall, and redemption. And he imposes his own twisted view of reality upon the word of God. I should recommend you a book by Harold Bloom. H-A-R-O-L-D. Bloom. He wrote a book. He's a, he's a great scholar. A professor at Yale. And he says uh, Shakespeare is superior to Jesus. And he's the most educated guy. God made these people. To be fools. To him the Bible is a lie. And his own thoughts are true. Therefore he eagerly does what the Bible prohibits. And refuses to do what the Bible prescribes. Provoking God into his face. What is going to happen to such a rebel? Will he be helped by his idols? Will fortune and destiny come to his aid? What does this chapter say about the end of Bible-hating rebel? Take a look at chapter 65, verse 5. Such people are a smoke in my nostrils. You are an irritation to God. You cause God to be angry at you. Now let, let me read to you verse 6 and 7. And if you are not a person who trusted in Christ, I plead with you that you do so today. And if you are a servant of Christ, will rejoice and be glad. 
that God called you to this high honor to be his servants. Chapter 65, verse 6 and 7. See, it stands written before me. I will not keep silent, but will pay back in full. I will pay it back into their laps. Both your sins and the sins of your fathers, says the Lord, because they burned sacrifices on the mountains and defied me on the hills. I will measure into their laps the full payment for their former deeds. He's going to deal with them. First, he will judge them. And that judgment is certain. It is written. It is decreed. And you read in Revelation chapter 20 verse 12. Books were opened. And a book was opened. It is written. Every sin that you ever committed is written. Everything you have done while you were in your body is written. In other words, first, judgment is certain. Second, it is personal. Not an angel will judge you, I will. God personally will deal with that rebel who provokes him to his face through idolatry and by walking in their twisted imaginations. I will. The Lord himself, whom you offended, will deal with every sinner and every sin. Number three, he will pay back in full measure. There is no diminution. Full measure it says and number four and it will be given to each individual sinner to his laps and you can call the hill and the mountain to cover you fall on us it will not cover you number five it will be the final judgment I will measure into their laps the full payment for their former deeds let me tell you idols will not come to your aid Destiny and fortune cannot help you because Israel's God is the sovereign Lord of all created reality. And turn with me to verse 12. Let me read to you. There is a a sarcasm here. uh, Verse 11. Who spread a table for fortune and fill bowls of mixed wine for destiny. And then look at the next verse. I will what? Destiny you for the sword to the sword and to the slaughter trying to get away from a personal infinite holy transcendent God will never happen every rebel will be summoned and must appear in person before the judge on the throne oh yes let's take a look at a few other things that these people did the wicked people they were unresponsive to the covenant God let's look at verse 7 it says they defied me. Verse 11. But as for you who forsake the Lord and forget my holy mountain. And look at verse 12. For I call, I call, but you did not answer. I, the sovereign Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, the only true and living God, to whom you must respond. The one who gives you life and sustains you every moment he called and listen to what it says for I called but you did not answer I spoke but you did not listen you did evil in my sight and chose deliberately chose exactly what displeases me that's deliberate twisted provocation no answer 
to God's call. The same is stated in chapter 66 verse 4. The same idea. He didn't say speak Lord your servant. He is listening. But in this church we teach. The children are to obey parents immediately exactly and with joy. That's biblical teaching. And when the father calls you come. And when the mother calls you come. Stop everything because my father is calling. He's an agent of God to govern my life, to form my character, to lead me to salvation. I come. But these people did not. They were not his servants. They were the servants of the devil and the children of the devil. Turn with me to John's gospel chapter 8. And here Jesus makes this statement. This can be used as a test to find out whether you are a Christian or not, who your father is. Jesus said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. You see, it's easy to find out who our father is by asking another question. Whose desire are you doing? Are you doing the will of God as revealed in the scriptures? Or are you doing your own thing? Either people do the will of God, the father, or the will of the devil, their father. Whose will are you doing? Who is your father? There is a day coming when the children of God will be differentiated from the children of the devil. The sheep will be separated from the goats and the wheat will be separated from the chaff. So let us look at the servants of God. Number two, the blessed servants of God. There is curse and there is blessing. Isn't that true? That's a covenant structure. There is curse for those who violate the covenant and there is blessing for those who keep the covenant covenant breakers are cursed forever covenant keepers are blessed forever now let's turn to the, the last chapter from which Jesus spoke about heaven about hell especially Jesus is the one who spoke more about hell than anyone else and he got it from here chapter 66 let me read it to you as the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me. That's for God's people. Declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. From one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. And they will go out and look upon the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. There were, see here it is, go home and read Mark 9 where Jesus Christ speaks about this three times. Their worm will not die, nor will their fire be quenched. There is covenant blessing and covenant curse. Do not ever forget these eternal destinies that await every single individual. Eternal life with the God in heaven and eternal death away from God in hell. St. Paul tells us, be not deceived, God is not mocked. What you sow, that you will reap. But the servants of God shall be blessed. I pray that every one of you is servant of God and be blessed forever. The servants of God are those who confessed with their mouth that Jesus risen from the dead is Lord. They are those whose pleasure it is to hear and do daily the will of the Lord. They are those who pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They are the covenant keepers. They are the elect. Let me give you some names, some uh, terminology 
that Isaiah uses in reference to God's people. Number one, there are seven of them. Number one, verse 8 and verse 13. My servants. Now the book of Isaiah speaks about servant and then servants. Servant is the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who fully obeyed God by his death on the cross. He is the servant. So we are the servants of God who completely obey the Lord as the servant did. Second, we are told in verse 9 and verse 23, we are the offspring. We are the descendants. Well, we are the offspring of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 53, we are told that he will see his offspring. Christ died on the cross and he gave birth to a whole host of people called what? His offspring. We are the descendants of Christ. Are you? Are you his offspring for whom Christ died on the cross? Have you trusted in him alone for your eternal salvation? Then you are his offspring. God looks upon you and rejoice. Number three. Look at verse 9 of Isaiah 65. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob. See, Jacob will always have descendants. Everyone is not going to be a rebel. There will be people who will love God and gladly hear and do God's will. And from Judah, those who will possess my mountain. The idea there is possess in the sense they are heirs. That is the word we are looking at. We are heirs of God and joined heirs with Christ. Let's praise God that God made us his servants. God made us his offspring and God made us his heirs. Number four, verse nine and verse 22, we are called my chosen ones. There is a chosen one who is that Jesus Christ and in him we are chosen. Well, not because we were great, we were wonderful, we were rebels, just like anybody else. We were objects of God's wrath, and God, for whatever his reason, chose us. Let's praise God. We are the elect of God. We are chosen to be holy and blameless before the creation of the world. We are chosen in the chosen one, Jesus Christ. Chosen to eternal life. Chosen to live with God forever and ever. What a great privilege it is. And then we are called my people. Verse 10, verse 19, and verse 22. My people. Do you know that we are God's people? I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus. Bought with a price. We are not our own. That's why we need to live a holy life. Your body is not for fornication. You are not your own. You belong to God. My people. We are people belonging to God. We are his possession, his treasure. And therefore, it is wonderful. He cares for us continually. He provides for us. He protects us continually. He guides us. He loves us. Hallelujah. If my people who are called by my name. It's wonderful to have his name called upon us. Are you his people? Number six. Look at verse 23. Chapter 65, verse 23. It says, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord. Hallelujah. Israel is blessed. You cannot curse them. They are blessed. We are blessed. Let's praise God. We are blessed. And we are blessed forever. Nobody can curse us. 
they will try a blessed people blessed with everlasting blessing the Lord blesses us and keeps us the Lord smiles upon us he blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ hallelujah we are blessed to live with God for all eternity and number seven look at verse verse 8 of chapter 65 it is a little difficult verse but I'll give you the translation as when Jews is still found in a cluster of grapes and men say don't destroy it there is yet some good in it so will I do in behalf of my servants I will not destroy them all the idea is there is a cluster of grapes but it is all it almost all gone bad but there is one or two and God says I will not destroy them all I will save the one or the two now this is an important idea this is the idea of remnant the vast majority of people are not saved few are saved God speaks to Elijah there are 7,000 who have not bowed their knees to Baal and so when all sorts of people doing all sorts of things stand for truth worship God be different be distinct be separate be holy be Bible believing be God loving be light in the world and God says I will not destroy them let's turn to Isaiah 10 and this idea is right there Isaiah 10 verse 22 and verse 23 Though your people, O Israel, be like the sand by the sea, notice, only a remnant will return. This idea is, is especially also found in the, in the New Testament. Only a remnant. Aren't you glad that you belong to that remnant? Hallelujah. My servants, my offspring, my heirs, my chosen ones, my people, my blessed people my remnant what are some of the blessings that are stored up for you God is going to make a distinction he made distinction before in Egypt in Goshen there was light in Goshen there was darkness in the rest of the country there was life in Goshen there was death in Egypt he will differentiate fools from God's servants so let me read to you. I spoke from this 25, 27 years ago to some of you in my house. Verse 13. <clears throat> Behold, that word is not there because it should be there. Behold, my servants will eat. And what else? But you will go hungry. There is going to be a differentiation my servants will eat and they will go hungry what else my servants will drink but they will go thirsty what else my servants will rejoice but they will be put to shame my servants will sing out of the joy of their hearts but you will cry out from anguish of heart and wail in brokenness of spirit think about it my servant will be given a new name but your name will be a curse my servant will be blessed but you'll be put to death my servants will forget all their troubles but you will remember all your troubles 
My servants will dwell in new heaven and new earth. It says no more weeping. Hallelujah. No more sorrow. No more tears. No more loneliness. No more death. No more parting. Total security and total peace. And finally we are told no more enmity. In other words, sin is dealt with totally. Hallelujah. Sin is dealt with totally. Praise you, O God. And let me tell you, it says, behold, 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 behold. And I think God is saying to the rebel, behold the way my servant is going to enjoy life with me. And look at Luke 16, verse 23. The rich man in hell was able to see it. And I believe people in hell will be given an understanding of what God's people are enjoying. That will aggravate their misery. They will eat. They will drink. They will sing. They will rejoice. They will dwell with God. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. The religion of our depraved imagination only leads us to destruction. Don't create your own reality. That's the style of modern universities and political life. And everywhere we are creating our own reality. It is the religion of the Broadway. The way of Jesus is the way of obedience. It is the way of salvation. It is the way of forgiveness. It is the way of righteousness. Let me tell you, there is a way of life and there is a way of death. There is a way of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There is a way of hunger, thirst, shame wailing and brokenness of the spirit forevermore but let me tell you those who mourn now will rejoice those who are broken hearted and of contrite spirit now will leap for joy time is short choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve idols of fortune and destiny idols of your own depraved imagination Idols of personal peace and power and affluence. Idols that cannot save you from everlasting destruction. Choose the living God. The Lord of the covenant. The Lord who in Jesus Christ died for sinners on the cross. The risen Jesus Christ who reigns in heaven. And who shall come. Come down soon. To pay in full. All the rebels. And all the mockers. And all those who defy him. And provoke him to his very face. He will soon come down to create a new heaven and a new earth. For his servants. To dwell in eternal happiness with the Lord. Choose life. Choose Jesus Christ. Be his servants. Don't go loco. Don't trust in the twisted imagination. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And if you belong to the category of the enemies this morning move from there and be a servant of Jesus Christ Heavenly Father we praise you and thank you for this mighty miracle you have done in saving us from our lunacy from our wild and twisted imaginations from our defiance of your reality and thank you for bringing us to a place where we in humility and sincerity in true repentance put our faith in your son Jesus Christ your son our savior therefore we shall eat
we shall drink. Every need will be provided for. Death is destroyed for us. For us only life and life forevermore. Save your people, O God. And may the saved rejoice in you. Amen and amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew. In happiness.